Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. 30% of work activities at over half of the jobs in the US, according to some sources, could be automated. That's the equivalent of a day and a half's worth of work every week that most employers could claw back if their processes, workflows and tasks didn't require as much hands-on attention. While many HR pros and leaders perhaps fear the time and knowledge transfer investment needed to set up automation, the work of planning and implementing automations doesn't actually have to be complicated and it shouldn't be feared. The trick, says today's guest, is knowing what you want to do, recognizing what you can do, and then figuring out which tools you need to put it in motion. If you're looking to learn about processes and tools that can give you the power to easily automate workflows and manage business processes with no coding skills required, you've come to the right place. Hey, I'm Bill Bannum, and in this HR Chat episode, we're going to consider tools to automate tasks. Listen to as we consider an eight-point framework to help guide you through the steps you need to take in order to automate any processes or business workflow. My guest this time is Ananth Ava president at Piperfy, a workflow management software on a mission to empower doers and transform the way teams work. Ananth, welcome to today's HR Chat Show. Thank you so much, Bill. Great to be here. And thanks for the wonderful introduction. Yeah, this topic is especially special to me because it definitely hits home. I'm actually married to an HR professional. So I'm happy to be here and, and see how we can help. Maybe now you can tell me a bit about Pipeify. Um, and listeners, I, I've been told that sometimes people misspell it. So I'm just going to uh, read it out one time. Uh, it's P-I-P-E-F-Y. Um, so tell us a bit about Pipeify and, and how it accelerates digital transformation and why that matters. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the interesting things that I heard recently, and this is from Bill McDermott, um, ServiceNow CEO, he described this as a do or die moment. And Specifically, what he was talking about was 75% of Fortune 500 companies won't make it over the next five to six years until they make bold decisions towards digital transformation. Now, that's the Fortune 500 companies with millions of dollars, extremely strong balance sheets and resources. So I think the question always comes up, well, what about all the other millions of companies out there and how? what are they going to do as we go through this interesting journey of digital transformation. And what we are at Pipify is we're a low-code, no-code application platform, uh, and specifically a citizen application development platform where we enable anyone and everyone to build simple, lightweight, easy, consumerized applications to empower their organizations or stakeholders that are interacting with their organizations and to drive more efficient and effective work. A lot of times where the best way we describe ourselves is you typically have your systems of record, like your HRS system, your ERP system, whatever it might be. And we end up becoming the orchestration layer or the system of engagement sitting on top uh, to ensure that when work starts, um, the initiation is easy and we give you full visibility as a requester on how that work goes through all these different systems, automate any steps as they're as they're needed and ensure that the right outcomes are achieved. And I think for a, a lot of the HR leaders listening today, um, what I would convey is they're extremely critical, um, especially in the change management aspects. It's not just about technology, it's also ensuring that 
the, the human beings and the employees in your organization are enabled the right way to drive that digital transformation. Super, thank you. Now, Pipeify tries to help to automate lots of uh, jobs traditionally done by humans. Maybe now you can share some examples of tasks that your team can help allocate, at least in part, to the robots. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think as a, as a platform, you know, we keep, we've done everything from customer onboarding, accounts payable, marketing. But I think given the nature of this podcast, um, we'll definitely talk about some of the HR processes. So we have over 650 organizations, about 10,000 plus users who are optimizing HR workflows on our platform. So, for example, you know, when we think about employee onboarding, you know, some studies show that as human beings, the first impression uh, that we form from another, another person is as less as 27 seconds. And I think as HR professionals, we typically think of that onboarding process as 90 days. And hugely important, right? That first interaction, once you've recruited a person, they've signed the document, they've come through, what does that interaction look like? And your typical onboarding process might look something like this. There's probably emails and spreadsheets and either Slack messages and other other sort of communication platforms where your HR business partner or your recruiting coordinator is going through the process of making sure the paperwork is ready, then making sure that the appropriate paperwork is, is sent to the right parties, then someone in IT is sent a task to go in and ensure that this person has a laptop, has access to the right systems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of steps, and what ends up happening is any misstep or miscue in that process creates a negative employee experience, and then there goes the first impression that you can make in the first 90 days. What we would do as Pipefly is we would, for example, once you make the offer, we'd automatically generate the offer letter based on templates that you have, and depending on where the employee is located, we can even change the templates um, to accommodate any clauses or special factors. Once it's signed, we'll automatically scan that document, alert IT, and automatically provision them to Google, Microsoft, Slack, all the different systems like Salesforce, et cetera, based on the manager that they're reporting to and also based on the department that they're in so we can pre-configure all of those systems that need to be accessed. And then we'll automatically sort of trigger an API call to ordering the laptop or any machines or shipping to get the, the right gear uh, to that particular employee. And we'll have a very active automated email campaign sent to the employee to ensure that they know exactly where they are in the onboarding journey. And once they start, we'll automatically also, for example, block out people's calendars, do the one-on-ones, get them to the appropriate training sessions, et cetera. So at no point is it the, the, the stress that the poor individual has to go through to ensure that all of this, all of this is done. Um, we pretty much orchestrate all of that so HR business partners and HR professionals can work on what matters the most, which is really ensuring that the employee is getting the right experience as opposed to all the logistics involved with the onboarding process. Okay, thank you. Now we've just come through around 18 months of crisis, of course. Uh, well, why, why are companies that jump on the workflow automation bandwagon or train at the moment uh, better set perhaps to be future-proofed against further crises? Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we're, I, I'm not sure we're quite out of the crisis, so I'll share some stats. So we know, according to Institute of Labor Economics, um, 
generally most companies have lost 20 to 30% of productivity uh, because not necessarily just because of remote work, but because there's you know, in-house childcare, there's other things that are happening in, in people's families and the sort of the, the work world and the personal world continue to merge. Um, so in order to compensate for that, what a lot of folks are doing is they're working 30% more uh, to offset the reduction in productivity. That's the average increase um, that most, most folks have seen. This hasn't reverted yet, and that's why I say I don't think we're out of it. We're literally having the most valuable resource for organizations is our people running at 130% above average. And, you know, maybe hiring more people is not feasible. It may actually just worsen the situation. While this is happening, what we're learning from Gartner is 70% of new application development is on low-code, no-code platforms, and 65% of the 70% is really related to those apps that are that are focused on getting work done, which is to help knowledge workers cope with this change. So the key thing for HR or any leaders, I would say, is digital transformation is almost necessary to start getting things back to quote unquote normal and giving time back to those individuals where they've been working harder um, to offset some of the productivity losses. And I don't think it's possible to do it in one fell swoop. Um, I think if anyone's expecting a silver bullet where you can get a 20% reduction, it's not going to happen. I think it's going to be an iterative process and it's going to be an ongoing process where we do a lot of micro-optimization, a percent here, 2% there, 3% here. And the aggregation of those micro-initiatives are what's going to help us unlock a broader ROI, which is literally giving people back time <laughs> that they're that they're investing back into the business to, to cope with the productivity losses. So in terms of being future-proofed, I think we're still in the midst of the after effects of the crisis. And it's, it's really about avoiding burnout and ensuring that we get, the, we get the right type of engagement and the employees sort of overall well-being and healthcare back on track. So I remember uh, in, in, in my career, when uh, WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get, uh, drag and drop content management systems came in for, for those within you know, marketing and, and, and content creation. And as a content creator myself with little knowledge, a little bit, but a little bit of knowledge of, of, of coding, but it was, you know, essentially the fundamentals of HTML. Uh, it was, it was kind of, it was a bit of a wonder to me and, and, and to what I did. Um, although it took me a little while to get my head around how easy website building had, had become and the technology that was now available, the drag and drop, for example. What, what are the common concerns and misconceptions that you hear from non-technical users when it comes to deploying digital workflows? No, it's a great question. I, I think I'll say two things, right? Generally, at the user level, um, and we hear little objections, that is, we're fairly easy to adopt. Um, in fact, you can go to our website and even try the product um, and try it for free. Uh, and similar to like an Amazon Zappos or consumerized like experience, we deliver a really good UI UX framework where users can jump right in and start testing and iterating um, the, the product. In fact, we actually have a lot of free users for our shared inbox product, forms products and others. But I think maybe one conception of the user level might be that you need to be extremely technical or sophisticated, and that's actually far from the truth. Um, I think 
the people who are best at designing and building those applications are not your most technical users. They're actually people who are closest to the front lines and understand what the desired outcomes look like. So it's not atypical to have an HR business partner, an accountant, a facilities manager even actually build the app uh, on our back end. And we have a lot of templates to assist them. Um, in fact, we have 500 plus templates on our website to assist them where maybe we don't have exactly what you need, but we, we can give you a running start. The bigger pushback from my perspective is, is actually the change management aspect. A lot of the citizens who are building these products, they're not just for themselves, right? Like they're not going out there and building sort of a workflow, workflow application, let's say for employee onboarding, just for themselves. They're really doing it for a lot of the new employees that are coming in, the managers in the organization, et cetera. So inevitably, there's an element of change management involved. And a lot of the citizens that, that are deploying these applications and users of ours, they're sort of visionaries in their organization. And that is why initially I said, you know, HR plays such a critical role here because it's definitely a identifying and developing that talent, but it's also arming that talent with the change management aspects to go through the common objections that that particular user encounters in their organization. And we, you know, we're partnering with the PMI Institute, so the Project Management Institute, where you can get citizen developer certifications. There's other ways to just help train uh, those users on basic change management skill sets. But I would say, largely speaking, that's where we might see generally most of the objections come through as we're scaling the product, less so at the user level itself. So Pipeify and Jazz HR partnered in 2021 to empower HR professionals to streamline and augment the hiring process with custom automated workflows. Uh, we previously featured Jazz HR on the HR chat show and, and uh, we love what they do. Tell me about the session back in early September at uh, Sherm 2021 called Leveraging Automation to Bring Humanity Back to HR and the learning outcomes from the session. Yeah, I think, um, unfortunately, I wasn't there personally, but the biggest thing that we heard uh, from a lot of the folks in the room, I think first we were just surprised by the attendance. Uh, we, we weren't quite sure uh, how that would pan out given COVID. But the biggest learning outcome for us is in the remote world or a hybrid world or whatever the new normal is going to look like, employee onboarding and that first touch experience continues to be top of mind for most HR professionals. And I think the second sort of interesting outcome from some of the conversations is just retention and compensation. What's happening is whether or not we take advantage of remote work uh, is yet to be seen, but the consistent feedback is if you don't offer it as one of the quote-unquote benefits of working in your organization, you're probably on the losing end of, of the long-term journey for, for, for a lot of employees and a lot of talent that's out there. But what that is creating is putting a lot of pressure on HR processes and systems where now you're dealing with hot desking, now you're dealing with conference rooms and booking, now you're dealing with, well, who's going to come in, who's not going to come in, what should be the days where everyone comes in or should everyone not come in because that's going to increase the risk. So there's a lot of process and workflow questions that are coming up and there's not really a whole lot of applications that can quote unquote handle it because 
it's not the, the classic HRIS systems that deal with these types of questions. It's very customizable and it's, it's very dependent on the organization and the desired outcomes for the organization. So I think what, the biggest thing for us and the biggest learning lessons coming out of that SHRM conference is it just reinforced sort of our positioning, which is we need to continue to arm those citizen developers to be able to build those high-grade, like consumerized applications in a very efficient way and very quickly to help us get through not just the next sort of few months, but literally get through, survive, and continue to scale where organizations are embracing a remote-first or hybrid option. Listeners, you're, you're, you're sitting here saying this all sounds great, but Bill mentioned in his introduction uh, that we're going to go through an eight-step process. But we're here now. Uh, it's that part of the interview. Um, so it, as mentioned in that intro, uh, introduction, that there is actually a clear eight-step process that HR leaders can follow to automate many of their uh, processes. And um, it was recently shared on the Piperfy blog. Um, and I, I thought it was really cool. And I thought definitely there's something um, that Anoth and I should speak about today. But uh, Anoth, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to maybe go through all of the eight, okay? Eight steps in three minutes or less do you do you accept the challenge <laughs> challenge accepted i'll try <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you know the the key thing here is when we wrote the blog um it's whether it's eight whether it's five whether it's four is re less relevant i think we tried to provide a framework as i mentioned for the change management aspect so i think the first step is you have to define your goal so if you're going through employee onboarding and we'll just use that as the process for this walkthrough um is the goal to onboard people very quickly? Is the goal to ensure that you remove the logistical overhead from your HR professionals? Is the goal to actually build better consumer experience for the prospective employee coming in? So the goals are important because that then is going to dictate and what is the target process that you're going to identify in employee onboarding? I mean, we think of employee onboarding as one process, but it's not. There's a lot of sub-processes and subtasks within this process. So if you're about speed and execution, then automating the offer letter and then automating provisioning, which has a lot to do with IT integration points or system integration points, might be the target process. But if you're looking for a consumerized experience and giving the employee a really good journey, then portals, the email automations, SMS automations, the communication collaboration aspect might be more important. So that's step two, um, which is going to be dictated by the goals you just established. Then it's establishing process boundaries. Like I mentioned, change management and going through any any sort of uh, transformation isn't isn't done overnight. Uh, we always guide folks to say, well, let's just define who their stakeholders are, build the right RACI model. That's responsibilities, accountability, who's consulted, who's informed, and then who are the actors and who are the the, who's accountable to actually get the process executed. Then mapping out your process. So now that you've identified the target process, you, you know the actors and players, how should the new process looks like, look like? And how would you ensure that you get alignment is just visualizing that process and getting everyone on the same page that this is how it should work. Um, identifying tasks that can be automated uh, and also creating your, your automation wish list Five and six are interesting. I think everyone assumes like, hey, we should start automating everything and eliminating the human. And that's not always the case. A lot of times what we've we, what we've guided folks to do is, well, if you don't know, 
what exactly the automation is. We've introduced this concept of human-centric automation into our back end where we basically say, instead of just automating outright, why don't we create this collaborative veneer on top of our platform so we can do the appropriate triggers and have, an, have a human being actually go in for the first time and then we can train the model to then fully automate it after we've seen a few of those interactions. Then assessing your capabilities and configuring your automation. So now that you understand all of the iterations and combinations of where things can go wrong or where things get stuck, you're going to assess your internal human capital process system capabilities. And then once you've done that assessment, you can go back and actually configure the full end-to-end -end automation. So it's a framework. I would say definitely not the only framework, but really what we're talking about here is making sure we take this big problem, which is called digital transformation, and breaking it up into bite-sized meals so folks can go through and start engaging um, the relevant parties the right way. And just one last question for today, a month. And um, I, I couldn't help it. I had to do a little pun here. But what's in the uh, Pipeify pipeline and how can we learn more? A lot happening. In fact, in the last 12 months, we've seen a 5x increase in automation rules just to give um, folks some perspective. We have over 266 million automations running every quarter. Um, and that's about 33 human-centric automations per user per day on our platform. Um, that notion of trying to unlock those efficiencies and giving people back time, we're definitely seeing that play out in real data um, on our back end. What we're really focused on for the next 12 months is we're improving what we call our database experience, so really enabling users to leverage as a system of records. So for example, Person X is being onboarded, who's that person X, what's the information related to them, et cetera, and emulating your HRIS system on our own backend. So for the process owner, they don't have to go back and forth into different systems. They can just use us as the single pane of glass to appear into all the different systems and the information that are sitting in all those different systems. We're also looking to build more sort of complex user management interface. So IT governance is definitely a key area. We know for low-code and no-code to be successful, information needs to be secure and protected. So we're actually continuing to introduce more and more advanced capabilities there and also enriching the guest experience. So statistically, for every Pi-Fi user, we actually have seven to eight what we call guests um, that are coming in. So folks who are either logging in requests and either by form, shared inbox, or other other mechanisms. So we want to make sure that we have a more powerful guest experience where if an employee has a request or there's a prospective candidate coming through your pipe, making sure that they have the right interface and see where their particular request is or where they are in the in the overall process journey. Those are very tactical, but I think one, one of the areas that we're really excited about, and this is more of the visionary play, I'm not sure if it's the next three months, six months, 12 months, or next two years, but some really interesting things have come out when we talk about automation and taking automation comp combining with AI, that's an interesting area for us. So for example, let's say someone has to approve like a comp change for an individual or we're going through calibration for a prospective candidate. Someone has to go through and hit the approve button, right? It could be in finance, could be in HR, could be, could be your compensation committee, could be your, your comp analyst. But what's the best time to surface that? that particular approval request. Um, 
And we're able to scrub your calendar or the person's calendar. We're able to see previous behaviors and when they typically review tasks like this. Should it be email? Should it be Slack? Should it be other? What's the best way to collaborate and interface with that particular user to get things done? We can actually tell a lot of that, and we can introduce some fairly advanced routing escalation rules where as opposed to people saying, oh, yeah, you know, that particular approval, yeah, that got lost in my inbox. Sorry, you know, let me go back and, and, and come, come back to you. Um, we're able to actually surface the right task at the right time to the right person and going well and beyond sort of just automation, but introducing even more, more synthet a synthesized way for human-centric automation. And beyond that, we're looking at introducing AI for natural language processing. So let's say, you know, HR teams are scrubbing through a bunch of documents and they're saying, hey, I, I need to look for all these offer letters with these exceptions. For example, if there's a separation event, um, we want to go through and ensure that those particular employees are entitled to that additional compensation for whatever analysis that you're doing. And th that's the kind of sort of AI layer that we can introduce on top of the workflow to help optimize outcomes. And that's that's what we're really looking forward to over the next 12 months to 18 months. Wonderful. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Ananth, thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Likewise, Phil. Great to be here. Thank you so much. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 